Hello, welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hudson. I'm joined as always by Alan Scheller. Hello, hello. <laughs> You're right there in the 1940s. <laughs> yes, it's bully day. Having a wonderful time. How are you, Christopher? Very well, thank you, sir. Wonderful. So our question for today's episode is, when does a photo become digital art? And uh, I think this is a big, a big topic, a spicy topic, and like kind of quite a defining topic for kind of this period of history really in terms of art um obviously like in the in the past when people have tended to talk about this stuff it becomes a bit of like a i don't know just a pursuit of trying to like call people out um and it becomes that that kind of a conversation which is not the one we're interested in having i think we more just want to talk about how you've basically got this whole spectrum from super candid photography right through to people doing you know graphics and and vfx and how you kind of like reconcile the difference between them and where the lines are and that kind of thing. Because um, I guess and a good place to start it is the fact that there is no such thing as an unedited photograph, right? That, you know, the second, even at the beginning of, you know, photography, the second you go down into the dark room and, you, you know, you mm. choose what process you're going to do in there, immediately that's going to affect the image that you've originally well, had in the I've, camera. I- I think it goes even before that process. I think the point at when a picture becomes uh, skewed somewhat or biased is is when it's taken because of the the moment the person's decided to press the shutter and everything. Uh, you know that all depends on you know their outlook and their opinion. Can you know like, let's say you're shooting at a uh, a protest and you like the idea of the protest you know you might want to try and wait to get a shot that makes everyone look nice and happy and peaceful or you could if you are against it you could wait and you know for someone to like maybe halfway through a sneeze look like they're grimacing and really angry and then take a picture of them and that could be super misleading so i think it's i th- I, th- I think the crux of the issue is is uh, being misled in fo- in photos and people f- you know with programs like Photoshop, people feeling like uh, the integrity of a photographer is is perhaps lost if they start using that program uh, to to work with. Um, mm. Well, I guess I guess what you're talking about there with the what you choose to how you choose to photograph a scene that's more like editorializing, right, and deciding how you how you feel about it. I guess in terms of. But yeah, you're right. That is like another element of like distortion that can come in. Um, but I suppose, you know, it's, it's it's super relevant to right now because I guess, you know, for years the editing process was a little bit more straightforward than now where kind of every option is on the table to you, really. Yeah. Well, there, there, there are lots of different opinions and they're, and, and they're all tied to different genres. So like within street photography, the idea is that... Uh, it's the photos uh, candid and the uh, editing shouldn't be too heavy. But uh, if you look at some photographers' work, like uh, Fanho, you see the street being transformed into something very different via darkroom techniques and 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 the use of light. And obviously, and we've talked about it before, like Ansel Adams, uh, when he photographed Yosemite, he he didn't feel the power of uh, he didn't feel how he felt when he was standing there in the valley uh, in his photograph until he started really messing with it and upping the contrast and doing radical things like using red filters to change how it looked uh, 
so it didn't look lifelike but it gave him a, a more lifelike feeling or, or representation of how he felt about uh about that place and and that was a pretty radical concept to me when i heard it yeah uh, i think i read it read it somewhere and i thought yeah sometimes you know to get across a real life idea uh you have to go beyond what you can see in front of you it's not just about representing it as best as possible uh which i think is you know otherwise in cooking everyone would just eat the raw ingredients and that'd be it you know you wouldn't mm. you wouldn't do anything to them yeah and and I, and I think chris and i wanted to talk about the how far that can be stretched and uh it's it's being done more and more and i personally think that that you know digital art is uh is a can be a beautiful thing in its own right and it should be celebrated and should you know and when uh the great band pink floyd when they started messing around with new techniques and the you know using synths and using crazy effects in 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 their post-production a lot of people came out against it and said you know oh you're just making music you know music made by robots and i think one of them said i think david gilmore said to someone uh, a journalist who was who's uh interviewing him about it said you know well you, you go in the studio and let's see what you come out with then if it's just the computers making it and uh it's the same kind of thing i think with uh with what's going on in photography yeah it's it's weird because it's sort of in in music it's a given that you know you will do all that you can in the studio to try and boost something and add in new elements and it's kind of the same in film that um you know there's going to be a lot, a lot of post-production work it's just it's funny that it seems that there's the sort of i don't know sometimes not the, quite the same thinking in photography and it seems feels a bit more fraught for some reason but um well well, in, mu in music, it does it does shift. So, so like, you know Nora Jones? Mm. Uh, when she released her album, the one with Don't Know Why on it, uh, they were very proud. It was, like, part of the press release, I think, that said um, that they didn't use any studio effects, like compression. It was all done by the skill of the sound engineers and, like, where they put the mics. And, like, all the dynamics were natural and preserved. And it was kind of like how they used to record back in the day without loads and loads of compression and loads and loads of, you know, reverb. They, they did none of that. They just, like, got a really amazing room, filled it with amazing musicians and recorded them as close as possible when they were all playing at the same time rather than layering it, uh, mm. which... And and then, you know, so, so to Nora Jones's people, that was very important and they're very proud of it and great. Uh, but, you know, then you've got, I don't know, Daft Punk, who are like <laughs> making <laughs> other things or like someone like Diplo or, you know, who are in like, n there is not one organic instrument on like one on that, you know, on a record. To that end, if we can, if we can somehow get a live vocoder into this podcast, I'd, I'd love to have that on hand. <laughs> Just break out. <laughs> what an amazing photograph. Would you look at that like, yeah. But so I, I mean, and I like, you know, there's a lot of, stuff that falls more in the realm of digital art or is like a hybrid between photog photography that I really enjoy as well. So I, I guess like to put a question to you in a bit of a devil's advocate way, like if I can shoot a beautiful desert scene and say I can insert like a perfect little cloud uh, that's like pink with the light shining off it perfectly, if I can just drop that right in the center of the sky, uh, why would I go out into the world and look for that and shoot that if I can just do that on the computer. Yeah. Well, you can always tell, unless someone's very skilled, you can generally detect when someone's done that. But 
True. For me, uh, as a well, doing primarily street photography, there's there's a great satisfaction in knowing that you captured something that you know you actually got it. And mm. uh, I think there's a kind of a nice, uh, warm, fuzzy feeling that people can feel when they when they know that it's a real thing, and they they look at it and they go, "Oh, that was authentic," uh, which is great. Uh, I don't think most people give a shit. To be honest, I think most people would look at it and go, "Cool," and you know, and you go, "Oh, they put that cloud in later." You know, they go, "All right," you know. I, I'm talking about like the the consumer here. Um, yeah, we, we we always have to remember that uh, as photographers or filmmakers, you know, people love the end product. They don't really care about how it's made. That's something reserved for us. Uh, but that's still fine. That's why you know it's still important to talk about it. But um, I mean, you know, I think most photographers flaunt their authenticity and their integrity just to impress other photographers or other filmmakers. Uh, you know, mm. like well, is a scene in a film going to be more powerful because it was made on film or, you know, and shot practically rather than done some of it, you know, like a bit of the background done in VFX? No, of course it's not. It, it, it's probably quite a similar experience, really, for the end user. But um, it matters to the person who's made it and their pride, I suppose. And it matters to... Uh, it's a different feeling when you know that you're watching or l looking at something that's been... that's actually has been captured. There is. To me, anyway. It's, yeah, I agree. And, like, it's, it's funny. In, you know, in, in film, in movies, some people just, are like, are very sanguine about it. And then others that can be, like, really sort of picky about it especially when it comes to shooting on film and i was but there, i mean there is something to be said for i was thinking I, I watched this edward norton made this film motherless brooklyn um not so long ago that it was it wasn't great it was it was it was fine uh, it was all set in the 50s but um for like you know budgetary reasons you can't really return new york to the 1950s very easily um so they had to basically no. just shoot just shoot it all over New York with very minimal set dressing. And then they spent about 3 million or something uh, on <laughs> VFX tweaks. So yeah. some, some, this, this studio had to go in and do, I can't remember how many VFX shot they said it said it was now it was definitely over 500 and, you know, just be scrubbing out a little <laughs> Wi-Fi symbol here and stuff and things elsewhere. And it sort of like a, a little bit took the shine of it for me when, after I heard that, tidbit that Edward Norton was completely just like honest about and talking about but um but I guess what I'm trying to say is that like there is yeah there's something nice about the old school process isn't there and like I think that's why a hybrid works for a lot of people because you're still grounding it in reality but then you're just using you're bringing in other elements I can see how that is a fun process in a way that shooting entirely in green screen for instance in movies is not like you know if yeah if you're a, a lot of the, the game of thrones cast are talking about that a lot you know some of their obviously they did do a lot of amazing location shooting on that show but some of it is just you know in uh on a studio stage entirely surrounded by green screen and it sounded pretty joyless and you know they're being told look out over the over the horizon towards king's landing and they're like where the where is my eyeline right now i don't know what the hell i'm looking at and so i yeah, suppose somewhere it's above like, the coffee machine and uh that weird yeah that hangar door at the back <laughs> okay yeah. yeah i can see that yeah i can so imagine i'm, I'm that sure story. yeah and that's not to say that people that who people who make digital art that's entirely like the whole thing's made on computers not to say that it's not an enjoyable process and i'm sure they love it but i guess there's 
you know, well, there's something to well, be said look, for that. I mean, I mean, people say, oh, it's all just, a, you know, can you imagine showing, uh, I don't know, a director from like the, the you know, the the 50s, showing them what you can do now with a, they, their minds would be absolutely blown. And I, mm. I think they'd, they'd, you know, it would activate a whole another realm of thinking. Because like, for example, with, um, with camera technology, as that's evolved, new shots have become possible that just wouldn't have been possible even a few years before. And, you know, so for, what's it called? Tri-X film that, that a lot of photographers used back in the day, the black and white 400 speed film. Um, you couldn't really shoot it past sundown and you should, you certainly can, uh, you know, do like deep aperture shots that, unless you had a, a lot of light. And so you, you didn't really see that many shots at night, you know, mm. <laughs> for, for, you know, you didn't see, um, well, a, a whole bunch of types of shots. Like uh, Christina Mittermeier was saying that uh, how only five years ago, uh, even five years ago, they couldn't shoot the uh, the orcas, the killer whales in 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 the sea because it, it was too dark down there, and the killer whales are too too dark an animal. So uh, you know, it took uh, sensor technology until you know around 2016 to be able to actually physically be able to do it so you know having understanding the technology that you have can actually broaden your creativity i think and, and make people think in different ways uh and and that extends to to editing as well so i mean i from from my part like for my style of photography is it's generally not that much editing at all um you know like compared to i don't know making a complete vfx you know digital picture is a you know most of it is defined by the photograph itself and then i'll spend a few minutes tweaking with it in lightroom in a program called silver effects and it really doesn't take long uh mm. even to make something that looks really wacky uh you know in terms of like high contrast or negative space and you also you have like a set sort of style right so you often it's just the case of applying what you usually would to keep it kind of consistent um sort of yeah, yeah there's there's a kind of well the, the, there's an end look that i go for but uh it's never achieved the same way because you know the like i couldn't just slap a preset on everything and be like this is my uh my black and white preset that i use for everything yeah I, I, even even like the beginning of the treatment of a picture has to be different you know sometimes i've overexposed a bit sometimes it's underexposed sometimes the subject just wasn't in the right light and i've got to work really hard to bring them out uh you know that there's there's always a whole host of things and it's one of the questions i get asked the most is uh you know give me a tip for editing and it's it's like well the tip is uh spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing it and figure out a way of making your pictures look better because uh, there's no one you know i can't be like oh yeah so uh, uh always put clarity up plus 20 you know <laughs> that's that's one of my tips you know it's just a ridiculous thing to say um yeah. so, so it's a very personal thing as well and um and I see editing as as an integral part of, or, or post processing as a as an integral part of how I like to shoot uh, and and present my work. And I guess that just extends further for some, you know, there, there are some photographers out there who make totally like wacky, surreal, uh, you know, like giant moons with like a girl on a swing in a tree, you know, something <laughs> yeah. like totally wild. But there are some of them that it looks really cool. 
and and mm-hmm. and they've and they clearly and some of them are doing very well and and they sell prints and they do shows and um you know so you, you can't just be like well that's all bullshit because it's made on a on a laptop because uh, you know for some reason it's re- it's resonating with people and and that's okay as long as the author is is honest as you said before like with Edward Norton you know it's I think it's fine I, I actually respect the fact that they spent that long scrubbing um mm. it's better than not having that option and him never having made the film <laughs> I suppose yeah. uh you know yeah or having to yeah you know saying oh I'm gonna try and do it all practically and having to do necessarily a bad job because of it you know yeah it made more sense in that case to do it yeah the way he did it I mean that three million would have got not very far if they were set building (laughs) yeah (laughs) they would have made one banging looking road (laughs) they would have like closed down the Brooklyn Bridge to like change all the light bulbs that would have been one one million (laughs) (laughs) exactly and, yeah. And yeah, so I, I think it's actually incredible that uh Well oh also who was it I was talking to about grading? Uh so grading for TV, how fast it's done. Uh for for a TV show. I thought they must spend months on it, but apparently it's so fast, like just a few days for like for ep- for a bunch of episodes. I can just roll through them so- really quick. Which is uh something I didn't realise. Yeah, it's it's funny actually. I think I really think everyone is becoming a color grader like now. Now you know, obviously the way the way it's done, you know, particularly for high end movies, is a lot more considered, and there are a lot more parameters to tweak. But it, <laughs> everyone's getting good at it now. You know, since especially now that all the the dials are all natively in iPhones, and you don't even have to go through a third party app, we're getting to this space where like everyone can color grade, which is odd, but it's kind it's kind yeah, of cool. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had friends come up to me and you know, like who've taken a picture in a bar, and they and they're like, "Ow, do you think the contrasts are right on that?" It's like, "What? How do you? <laughs> what, what do you mean?" Yeah, it's fine, uh, but I'm just flabbergasted that you know they're going. Should, should I make it a bit more warm or, or a bit cooler, or you know, do, does it need a cool bit of sharpening? Cool off the blacks in that one, yeah, or the yeah. Up, up the <laughs> yeah. The day that my mum called, yeah, says. Uh, she actually, she actually did one. She called me up and she said that she thought one of my pictures was too high contrast. I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's become a bloody, uh, an expert now. Uh, but it, yeah. it's a good thing. And I, I, I celebrate it massively. And um, there are some... Well, it goes back to what we were talking about with uh, Adam Newport-Bearer about, you know, people were... kids. The kids now, it's like, so advanced that, like, they're thinking about shot composition camera placement <laughs> camera movement lens choice all of these things from like the age of five so it's it means yeah by like 15 they're going to be masters <laughs> for the filmmakers yeah there's a oh there's a, such a funny scene did you see zoolander 2 terrible film uh but it, it, it opens with justin bieber being hunted down and he gets killed and just before he dies he uh he takes his final selfie to post on instagram as a goodbye to the world and like he's doing all these like different angles and then he and then he starts swiping through all the filters to like get it to look right and then finally posts it and dies but it's a very funny commentary on uh on it just made me think like yeah but you know photo editing has just become a real 
part of every- like a part of everyone's lives it's so it's so weird isn't it yeah and, um, and you know in in the 60s no one you know people didn't even know really what photography was you know if you're walking down the street with a camera people be like oh look it's one of those camera things <laughs> <laughs> one of those mystical devices and and no one really bothered you know, no one really cared if you took a picture of them because it wasn't quite clear. Or oh, maybe earlier than the sixties, maybe like the fifties. But yeah, but it's it's. Uh, I remember finding a stat once about. I think there were thirty thousand cameras sold globally in like nineteen fifty eight or something, and and last year, including phones with cameras, it was over a billion. Which is That's, uh, yeah, which is pretty ridiculous, but. Uh, also, Lightroom and Photoshop and programs like that have integrated more into phones, and they've they've made their interfaces super simple. So mm. it means that people can do more aggressive edits as well. Like it's not just doing your, you know, your 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 exposure. They 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 can do lots of things like background blurring and you know lo- loads of weird yeah, stuff. Yeah. That, oh yeah, they, that, it just it keeps getting more and more until you know if. <laughs> At this rate, there's going to be about like five thousand options to flick through in future. I'm I'm shamelessly addicted to it. It's ridiculous. I'll, I'll take a, a smartphone photo that I don't even really intend to even send to anyone, let alone or even post look on the again, internet. look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there, like just a really like quotidian photo of like I don't know a fucking a table or something. And I'm there, like going through, <laughs> like how can I boost this? How can I really make this picture of a table sing? And this and now they've like added it, added it natively into into videos as well on iPhone now so now i'm doing the same with videos and then it's having to render and save what what, what has my life come to (laughs) but it is like um we are we are really in like a this period of like the rise of digital art which i guess in part is the fact that you know through globalization every everywhere is is way more accessible than it used to be things like instagram and social media has meant that the ability to see everywhere in the world uh is is way more easy um so it's almost uh, it's a bit sad but in a way it's kind of like seen it isn't it with a lot of different places on earth now so i guess that's why there's this more slide towards surrealism because people are excited by something that has never been literally viewed with an eyeball before yeah and also people uh more and more people are taking photos every day and uh I'd say people are much better photographers than they were five years ago. They must be just because the fact that everyone does it all the time now. Um, And so I suppose, yeah, photos that are different and that stand out uh, tend to get more recognition, I think, uh, and appreciation because, you know, the everyday uh, consumer of a photo, you know, like a non-photographer, if you like, will will be attracted to it because it's different. Uh, rather than it just be, you know, like I, I think, I think back in the day, it was a lot more normal just to take a photo of a, of of nothing in particular, just like a, a a scene, just because that you know, uh, you know, just of like everyday life on the street. Uh, whereas today, I think people do that all the time anyway, so they they want to see something a little bit more. Mm. Uh, a little bit more arty perhaps should we say or something a, a bit more f- flashy yeah and it is going to it is going to create a shift isn't it in the in the industry and already i'm sometimes thinking especially when it's like branded work um you know and they're paying loads of money to get in really big 
kind of cinematographers and filmmakers and it's like you know for you guys you know you know there's a guy that can get you that light just like from his <laughs> laptop in his bedroom like yeah. I, I yeah i think that's a, a thing is that we're probably going to see more of um it's it's such it's such a crucial it's such an amazing skill to have now it's like if if someone was saying uh, oh, i'm like super creative like where should i where should i put my energy i'm into everything uh, i would definitely wouldn't say film because that's like a, <laughs> a kind of a difficult gamble at the moment um but i mean being able to have the ability to create these kind of these 3d models like there's this guy chris i don't know how you pronounce his last name l-a-b-r-o-y labrui or something he's got yeah. a, we'll have to post one of his photos he's got zillion followers and he's made this whole thing about out of like basically f- fusing like a an inflatable fl- flamingo pool float and a porsche <laughs> and he's just combined the two to make so he's made this hybrid and it's obviously like quite tongue in cheek and he just uses them in all different ways and it's huge <laughs> so it's like and also you know it's quite an, a relatively inexpensive way for someone to be creative they've got to get themselves with like a computer that can render it at speed and a software and you're like good to go you can make the most incredible things out there yeah i, I mean that, that guy combo photo uh yeah. is it this is different guy right yeah yeah, he his stuff, I know what you mean there, yeah. He 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 does a he did, he did a very famous uh shoot for Apple where he spliced uh, the AirPods the ear you know the speaker things for your ears. Uh AirPods, yeah, that's what they're called, aren't they? Uh mm. he he did it with um try and find him on Instagram. He's called Combo Photo for anyone who's not aware. Uh and and it's all it's all done digitally obviously, but it's all very clever stuff and and I think it's wonderful. Uh, and he seems to be doing very well from it as well. And it's, it's oh, just, yeah, it's, it's like very it's, it's the most. Concept. I think it's like the most commercial idea anyone has ever thought of. Combine <laughs> like a product a, with something yeah. funny, and also make it look interesting. And bam, you, you've pleased. I it. farm kiwis. This guy can turn a kiwi into also an eagle. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it, it was. Uh, yeah, I remember when I first discovered his his stuff, I I just thought, damn, that's such a good idea. And mm. that's generally what uh what's more important than the medium is uh is how good the ideas are, I suppose. But he set up an idea that's pretty simple to replicate, I th- by you know, by the looks of things, uh like, you know, so not replicate to for him to repeat. And um so yeah like you said it's very catchy stuff but it's also i think artistically interesting as well so it's a it's a it's a good he's he's ticked all the boxes so well done him (laughs) (laughs) do you think uh whether it's in movies or photography there ever there is ever going to be like this sort of not amongst the the mainstream but like there will be like this sort of weird puritanical backlash where there'll be like you know awards set up for and things that are ring fenced in terms of like it has to be something pure. But then even if that was the case, how could that ever be policed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's impossible to tell. You have to go off uh, people's honesty, you know. Uh, and and it's so easy to deceive people with it, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that would ever be real, a really policeable thing at all. Like, for example, with the uh, Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition, uh there was a famous thing about an, an arctic fox that was oh no sorry sorry no uh, well the, the arctic fox was one but there was a wolf jumping over a a uh a fence I don't know if you've seen that 
picture. It's the most amazing picture. Vaguely rings a bell, yeah. And in fact, this should be the picture, the baby that we used for the episode. Mm. Uh, but even though it was a huge, it was a huge deception because the, so so the wolf is leaping in a man. It's the most epic picture of this of this wolf, and he's got a flash on. He's managed to catch it right at the right time, and uh, it it won something and uh, in this competition and. Uh, and then a, an expert on wolves said, just piped in after the press launch and, and said, uh, a wolf would always go under a fence if it could rather than jump. <laughs> and, and there was clearly enough room for it to run straight under. You know, it's like a slatted fencing. And they said that it must have been a trained animal who was made to jump. And it turned out that was the case. And it was it was just like this huge deception, and then they, well, at least uh, it was actually a real wolf. And that story didn't end with like it turned out it was like a VFX a CGI a CGI wolf. No, but they, they, there was there was another thing about exactly that uh, where people keep putting adding in things into photos, and they end up winning competitions, and then they often competitions often request the uh, the, the the raw data. And then if someone can't supply it or whatever or, or doesn't want to or or does supply it and it's wildly different, then, yeah, they they lose. <laughs> they lose their, their award. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's... Uh, but it's bizarre for, you know, why would a photographer enter... Well, actually, it, it, it's, it, it is an interesting point because it, it, if it was a uh, like a, just a general art competition... Uh, then there shouldn't really be anything wrong with submitting something like that, as long as you said that it's a you know a digital work or something like that. I don't really see mm. the problem. But if you're entering it into something like a photojournalistic sense and you're messing around with it, then you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, there's probably there's a real gap there actually. In the, there's a lot of you know obviously a lot of awards and you know generally prestigious events set up geared towards art and like surrealist yeah. art and then there's lots for street photography and documentary kind of photography and things that draw attention to things but there's this bit in the middle where it's this kind of like hybrid area that doesn't really get much recognition except no, yeah. fuck ton of play on instagram <laughs> uh, yeah. <it's> interesting <laughs> what a world we live in <laughs> yeah it's, i mean and it, like we've you know like we said it's not a negative thing at all but it's just another way that we've kind of let it's out the box now, isn't it? And there's no going back in the same way that it's that way with the news and with the way we now socialize and stuff. It's like it's all we've crept, we've crept there as a species, and we we that's it now. <laughs> this is the world yeah, we live in. It'll, it'll take a massive effort to uh, to go back to anything else, but I don't know. It is what it is. Mm. It's like if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. If life gives you pink flamingos that hover above the moon make a make a, a trippy scene i don't know <laughs> make, a, make a trippy scene out of it yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know it's going to be interesting to see i mean because because the the uh the options are endless I, i'm surprised that we're not seeing more crazy like dali-esque like you know kind of as stuff. am i yeah coming out it's all it's all everyone's just sticking to good old traditional photography mediums generally you know like here's a portrait or here's a street photo or here's a here's a landscape you know no one no one's really going uh going nuts that that, that i've seen uh or or at least who is really popular um which is a shame because I, I i'm sure that 
if you let someone like Salvador Dali loose with a a ghost photoshopper who was (laughs) doing, you know, creating his vision uh, or under instruction, uh, I'm sure he could come up with the most bizarre, bonkers, amazing stuff imaginable. Oh, absolutely. There's like, without a doubt, if he was around, he'd be all up in Unreal Engine 5 or whatever and like creating stuff that way, 100%. Yeah. I wonder what his response would be to people saying, oh, you shouldn't tweak this and you shouldn't, you should, you should always preserve the reality. He'd probably tell them to go fuck off. Or or, or hmm. he'd probably say, you know, how boring. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure. I'd rather look at a great digital composite image that is really cool than a terrible photograph that was made and unedited and purist, as purist as you as you like and uncropped, you know. Um, I, I wouldn't rather produce what I, I, you know, I'm still much more leaning towards, I'm obsessed with what you can do with the camera and trying to push how you can use light and creating wacky perspectives and being, you know, a bit surrealist with, with your ideas rather than entirely with post. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, a big fan of of using you know of having the support of a program like Lightroom to uh, mm. to to help enhance certain aspects of it and bring out the the, the vision of it. Uh, it. It wouldn't be possible without it in in a lot of in a lot of circumstances uh, of, of my pictures. Yeah, I think similarly in 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 film, like I'll always be interested in those real world scenes. Like I, I always vividly remember going being down on the the set of the final season of Breaking Bad in Albuquerque, um, yeah. and there was it was a scene I think where Jesse and Walt are going to confront each other in a square, um, and it was a really a really big. It was about so many extras and seeing them all on their marks and all move at the same time. <laughs> all just crisscross is such a mind-blowing thing to see and like that's always going to be an amazing thing to be able to work in and i think so i think that's always going to be always going to be alive but yeah i think you know also i guess (laughs) yeah i guess just as in just in the same way that when people you know when photography was first invented probably every single photo blew people's minds similarly i guess we're in a mode now where like being able to make something look literally completely hyper real like perfect um is kind of blowing everyone's minds eventually when that becomes more standard then it's going to be about right who's got the talent to like really use that in an interesting way and that's i guess when yeah we'll, it's, we'll, it's we'll, quite it's, it's, it's quite bizarre isn't it that the mark of how good technology is is how deceptively realistic it can be <laughs> yeah well exactly and that's like to yeah to completely counter my point that's like why there's there's such a fondness isn't there for kind of like very old graphics as well like i love going back and seeing like an n64 game where everyone's like arms are composed of like two blocks yeah there's <laughs> something quite artistic yeah, to that <laughs> yeah that there was a recent uh video put out on uh, we transfer were advertising it i don't know if you saw it and it was like the most pixelated blocky i don't know what they filmed it on him must it was a it was a music video that was filmed on seemingly on like a a mobile phone from you know, just after the 3310. It was just shocking video quality, but it was really cool. And then they did loads mm. of, like, close punch punch-ins where you're, you're looking at, like, somewhat just the corner of someone of someone's face, but it's all just, like, weird blocks moving, and you can just about see it as an eye. It, it, very, very weird. 
this is quite interesting as well how hard that some of that stuff is to recreate as well <laughs> even though yeah. it's like essentially going back to visuals that you know the animation is probably about one megabyte actually recreating that is <laughs> quite difficult because there's that that sort of software <laughs> isn't around so you have to re recreate it all from scratch yeah it's true so i guess to finish up um you know how your most of your career in photography so far has been mostly street you do a few portraits and other bits and pieces but um are you yeah? Are you, are you interested to take it into any of these spaces we talked about a little bit more, or anything like that, or are you are you happy with being man and camera? Yeah, I'm very happy being man and camera, and uh, I'm very happy to let other people do all the other stuff like color photography and uh, photography of animals, like wildlife and all that kind of stuff. I'm very happy to leave that. I've I've found my little niche, and I'm very cozy here in my niche and i'd like to hold on to that but i don't know um i i'm to be honest I, I all i know how to do is the kind of editing that i know how to do like if you asked if you gave me a color picture and you said can you edit that to look like it would fit in vogue i'd be i i'd be able to do something but i'd i haven't really built up my skills in that way i'm not a uh i'm not a what's it called a, a retoucher i'm definitely not you know, I couldn't be a yeah. professional retoucher. I just have followed my nose in the sense of editing, uh, teaching myself just to entertain myself and to do, to learn the skills that I find useful for what for what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, and 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 if that road can, if I do end up wanting, because I I do experiment a lot with uh, with how I present my work, but uh, it's all just done within Lightroom and in in Photoshop. I, I've I use Photoshop for uh, dust spot removal more than anything else. Um, and uh, I don't really know what it means, any of it. It's got so many things. I sound, I sound like my dad now. Like when my dad was got his first smartphone, he was like, what do all these things mean? Uh, but really, I, I don't know what liquefying is or, or you know, what mask I, I i don't know what it, i don't even know what masking is that, that's something someone asked me apparently it's a very basic thing someone asked me in in a workshop and i i don't even know what masking means uh, i don't know so I, i'm not particularly high tech with my knowledge of editing but uh so but so you so know what that's yeah there's something to be said for that and i think you know we live in this age now where everyone's really expected to be an absolute jack of all trades, like a complete self-producing unit that they can do everything from right at the beginning, the beginning of the process to the end, which flies in the face of how things used to be done where, you know, like, well, obviously with the emergence of cinema where everything is so portioned out to all these specific skills. And it's almost to the point now where people, I think sometimes people feel a bit embarrassed if they say, oh no, this, this step in the process, that's not, that's not me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about when you mention that element or certain things to do with it. But I think people, I think, and I think that's a shame because I think it's, there's something to be said for just being like, I know, I know my area. I'm happy yeah. with that. I'll pass this bit Abs on to an expert absolutely. who knows better. And I think. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, yeah. And, and yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And like the more I progress in my career, the more I find delegating stuff as, you know, like for example, yeah. doing promotional post graphics. Sure, I could do them myself, but someone else could probably do them a lot better. And yeah, it's going to cost a hundred dollars or whatever, but uh, mm. it's it's going to be better than than what I could do. And you know, curating for a book, for example, I could pick all the pictures, but someone who does that day in day out and has done curation for for 
for 25 years is probably going to be better at it than me. So I, I should, yeah. I should, uh, you know, defer th to them. And, uh, and that's cool. I think it takes a bit of confidence and, and having a, your own sense of your own abilities to, to be able to feel like you can relinquish parts of the process to other people, uh, rather Definitely. than feeling like you have to hold on to it. Otherwise it's no longer yours. And it also means that you can you can concentrate on those areas and get better at them. There's probably, you know, I've I've, I've thought about that at times. I'm like, oh, should, maybe I should get more into into VFX so I can do all that side of things as well. When you know the graphicsy thing, but it's like actually, you know what? You're probably like you say, you're better off delegating that and really concentrating on making the thing that you are good for to be very good at that. So well, that's, I, sorry, well, I, all I was going to say is that they, you know, when when you see a, a cinematographer accept an Oscar for a film mm. and they always i've watched a few of their except they always say i only uh, i'm only responsible for like 20 percent of this oscar you know 50 percent is usually the director uh yeah the production the the set dressing you know every everyone is super integral to something like that it's funny isn't it there, there should be uh, I, yeah. I, I feel like there should be more uh not to take away from what cinematographers do because they are amazing and they fully deserve their awards but it is interesting hearing uh, i think it was wally fister when he got his one for inception he basically said something along the lines of you know how uh it's not all his award and uh yeah maybe there should be that's, that's for, like the, for more things <laughs> yeah well that's that's the that's the real secret isn't it it's like everyone when they see those hollywood speeches whether it's an actor or someone in the crew and they're you know busy thanking everyone a lot of people sort of roll their eyes and they're like oh here they go doing like the hollywood i'm so humble self-effacing thing but actually it is just because if you're up there, you do feel the weight of the fact that it really hasn't been a solo effort and you feel like a real yeah. responsibility to have to shout out the fact that all the other people as well. So I totally, I totally get the impulse to do that. Um, yeah. People like yeah, me, me turning up an exhibition and saying, I'm taking credit for everything, like for the print, you know, it's not, it's so much, you know, <laughs> so much to it. And of course yeah. it's important being the person who's done the shots. Sure. But there's loads to it and uh yeah well yeah give you you give yourself a break folks you don't need to be every element of production <laughs> no you do your uh, thing and i've tried lord knows i've tried but uh i'm just getting tired of it all <laughs> <laughs> on that note of tiredness uh <laughs> we'll see you guys on the next episode all right thank you for listening yeah thanks for listening guys <laughs>